Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Powered by Righteous Media. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 25 of the Firefighters Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Serra. Well, uh, there's not much going on in the country right now, so I guess I'll just skip over all that. Um, nah, but seriously, thanks for tuning in and taking a break from the sideshow that our country has become. For this week's roll call, I'd like to recognize uh, NYPD Detective Luis Alvarez, who passed away three years ago uh, yesterday. If you don't know who Louis is, you should Google him. Uh, he spoke at the congressional hearing back in June of 2019 alongside John Stewart and uh, our friend Lila and, and a few other people. Louis was in the middle of his chemo treatments. I believe he was supposed to get treatment that day, but skipped it uh, so he can go down and testify. I think he had 67 or so treatments for his cancers, but he was there. And uh, he spoke softly, but uh, he spoke strongly and, and you know, he got his point across. Louis was a good dude. Um, I got to know him uh, towards the end, uh, but he was always, uh, always had a smile on his face, uh, a lot like Ray. Um, and he knew he had a job to do. Uh, and, and he did it much like Ray did uh, with, with class and, and grace. Uh, so this week's roll call is dedicated to him. Reminds me of a story I'd like to share. Uh, Louis was given the key to the city uh, a few months after he passed away uh, by Mayor de Blasio. Um, it was a small ceremony, but, you know, our team was there, John Stewart, you know, a few cameras, but it wasn't very much publicized. The reason I bring this up is because that day, I was actually accused of stolen valor uh, for the first time in my life. And I'd like to share that story. Uh, so, you know, firefighters out there, uh, maybe maybe you young guys out there can, uh, can take some notes. Um, so anyway, as the story goes, uh, I went to the ceremony in my dress uniform, uh, of course, uh, out of respect for Louie. And for some reason, I don't know what was going on. I, I couldn't get an Uber to get me back to Staten Island. Um, the roads were shut down or the bridges or something. So I ended up uh, taking the ferry. Uh, one of the guys dropped me off at the ferry. And, you know, I was having a bad day. You know, this was back in 2019 when I, when I really still couldn't walk very far. But uh, I figured I'd hop on the train and I had my dad picking me up at the station on the other end. So, uh, you know, I figured I'd be all right. Uh, so I, when I got to Great Kills in Staten Island, which was my stop, my father was on the corner and I was making my way there. And if you know Great Kills, you know that there's a bar right there. Uh, I won't say its name. But I walked past the bar and I had my headphones in and I'm, you know, hobbling along with my cane. And, and all of a sudden I get shoved very hard from behind. So I quickly turn around and I pop out my headphones and, and there's this 
20-something-year-old dude, um, very angry, screaming at me. And, and I just pulled, said, what's up, man? And he said, who the fuck are you? And I said, well, who the fuck are you? And he said, what's with that bullshit uniform you're wearing? And I said, what makes my uniform bullshit? And he said, well, where's your tie? I was like, well, I took it off. And then he, he gets a little closer to me. He starts examining. He's like, well, where's your hat? And I stuck it in his face. And I was like, what's your problem, man? He's like, well, why are you walking around pretending to be a fireman? And I'm like, who the fuck are you? So now I proceed to light this kid up. I hit him with everything you could possibly say to a junior firefighter. And then I could see he took a step back and, and started looking at the medals on my chest. And I said, you know what these are for? And he said, yeah. And, and then he took another step back. I said, who are you? What's your name? And he wouldn't tell me. All he would tell me is that his name was Pete. And, uh, and he told me where he works, um, which, of course, when I got home, it took me all five minutes to make a phone call and find out who he was. But he, he, he was angry and, and for some reason decided to assault me. And, and when I asked him why, he said, well, you know, on 9-11, I saw some people walking around in uniforms and I didn't think they were legitimate. And I said, well, do you really think I would put on this uniform and walk around Great Kills at three o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday? Uh, for what purpose? And then I said, you know, something like, you know, you, you saw me struggling down the street and you come out here and you hit me. You should have come out here and asked me if I needed help. And then he started apologizing up and down, asked me if he could buy me a drink, uh, told me he has problems, he has a drinking problem. And, and then I proceeded to tell him, well, I don't give a fuck because uh, if you have a drinking problem, call the counseling unit. But it's embarrassing that you're out here hitting another fireman in the street. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, there's more to the story, but, you know, I made that phone call, found out who he was, got in touch with a senior man, and, and I let them take care of it. But, but really... Um, I would say if you're going to accuse somebody of something, uh, you should be sure. Uh, anyway, so that's what I think of, unfortunately, when I think of uh, that beautiful tribute to Louis uh, when he got the key to the city. But anyway, this week, I'm bringing the NAV back on um, to bring in some positivity um, and just to catch up with him and see what he's got going on. So let's get into it. Uh, here he is, the NAV. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Firefighters Podcast. Joining me this week is our, uh, our previous guest, the Nav. Nav, Hello. welcome. Thank you. I wanted to have Nav on. Uh, he's been retired a while now. Um, what about what are you about a year now? Yeah, a little over a year. February February fourth, two thousand and twenty one. Yeah, uh, fourth. Uh, yeah, two, yeah, yeah, February fourth, two thousand twenty one. All right. So you've had a little more time to reflect. So uh, maybe we'll get some different answers this time. We'll see. <laughs> uh, for, I wanted to start out with uh, last week was was the anniversary of the Father's Day fire, and I know your firehouse was affected. Were you were you working there when the fire happened, or were you still? Uh, no, so when when the Father's Day fire happened, I was in my uh, my fourteen weeks, and uh, just as a reminder, what the fourteen weeks was is uh, there were three classes, mine and Rob's being two of them, where um, the you know out of the academy they sent us to a temporary house for seven weeks in an engine, seven weeks in a truck, and then the way it was supposed to go, the way it went for my class was we went back to the fire uh, to the academy for 
three weeks and then we got our permanent assignments. So when I was in my 14 week assignment, that was when Father's Day happened. And then about a month later, I was uh, assigned to engine 292, sharing quarters with Rescue 4 and Rescue 4, of course, lost two of the three guys that, um, you know, died on Father's Day. So, yeah. So that I mean, I, I kind of know what that's like to walk into a firehouse after yeah. somebody just died. But what what, what was the feel like? Uh, I mean, I, honestly, I was, I was as nervous as can be, you know, once I yeah. found out, I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to the houses, you know, they're, you know, and then, and then sure enough, I got there and they were very, very welcoming and everything without a doubt, you know, that I was the, the probie coming in they were, you know, it was a great house. It, it is a great house. And, um, they, uh, but they were definitely reeling. I mean, the, the two guys that died in that house were two of like the senior leaders of the house. There was Harry Ford, who was like a legend to this day. He's still a legend, you know, and not, uh, yeah. and then uh, Brian Fahey, he was also, you know, I forget if he was, if they were like one and two, you know, Harry was definitely the senior man. I forget if Brian was number two, but anyway, he was, he was up there. So the, the house was, was floored, you know, the guys were, you know, some guys were just in, you know, in a depression, you know, walking around and stuff like that. And, you know, and I had a guy, you know, I won't say his name, but as soon as I walked to the door, telling me to get out as soon as I can, you know, and everything else, you know, not in, not meanly saying it like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, just get out as soon as you can, you know, and stuff. And, you know, he was, he was just, you know, traumatized and everything, you know. Right. Well, well then 9-11 happened like two months later. So what, yeah. Yeah. what, what so, I always wondered that like those houses where, I mean, I think, Garamba yeah. died like a couple of weeks before 9-11, right? So yeah, was... yeah, yeah. Mike, you know, my, who was also in my class, Mike Garamba, you know. Um, so that was really well, I guess my first line of duty desk was Father's Day, and then then came Mike Garamba, you know, and uh, and the guys actually, you know, had no idea, of course, having no idea what was about to happen with 9-11, but uh, you know, they were they were very great. They knew that I I didn't know Mike very well. I knew him, of course, but I didn't know him very well. But, um, but the, you know, the guys, including the guy that told me to get out as soon as I can, you know, he was, he was very, you know, uh, supportive and everything he's, you know, cause they had just gone through, through it, you know, on a, on a, I guess on a, on a greater level, because they obviously knew the guys who died a lot better than I knew Mike, you know, right. but, um, but so anyways, uh, so what did, did he say something to you after that? Did you, did you guys actually have a conversation? Uh, oh yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah, a little, yeah. that's a little, well, I guess fucked up is the right word. Like he, he tells well, you to get out and then a guy well, he, he, when he said get out he was talking he, he, he meant get out of that house like he was saying oh, like, you okay. know, you're not not the uh he said you know go go somewhere where you're like you know he he uh, there was some you, you know you know what happens there's always misplaced anger you know you know like after i mean as you saw after 9 11 how much infighting and stuff like that was going on just from guys dealing with with the stress and everything else and, and their own emotions and everything else, they misplaced the anger. And that was kind of, you know, he was the guy that I'm speaking of was upset with the engine for whatever reason, you know, the, you know, he was just like, you know, get out of this shit house, you know, you go, go to a good house and all this other stuff. That's more what it was like that, but which was totally false. I mean, the engine 292 was a great spot to be in and, and, and I got great work there. I got taught good stuff there. You know, it was, it was, it was, there was, absolutely nothing wrong with the house. It was just, it was just this one guy's, um, you know, uh, PTSD or whatever you want to call it. That was right. you know, misplaced. Well, that, that happens a lot. You know, there's yeah. a lot of those guys floating around who don't, don't deal with, uh, yeah. And then, then yeah, right. Exactly. And, then, and then it was, and then it was nine 11. So, and, um, and, you know, one of like the stories that always, sticks with me is how, you know, Brian Hickey was the captain of rescue four. And, and, you know, I, he, he was still out from the father's day fire where he had gotten injured. And, um, 
And and it was his first 24 back to work. He was working overtime and, uh, you know, he got put full duty. He got an, an overtime tour. And, um, um, well, I don't want to mess up. I think it was in, in Rescue 2. I can't remember now. But anyway, he was working in a different company. He wasn't in Rescue 4. And, of course, he wound up dying. You know, so it was, uh, <clears throat> you know, so here it is. They they got, the, the, you know, they're finally getting their captain back. And, the, and who was beloved. I mean, they, he was one of the, the most loved people ever. And, and, uh, and he, um, you know, of course, didn't, didn't survive. But, um, so the, you know, so anyways, it was just like then going into as as you live through yourself in in um, 136 and 287, you know, the, um, just uh, you know, just a series of funerals and 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 families, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, families of the people that died and whatnot, and um, and uh, you know, so it was just you know, it just became that that became the all consuming thing. Father's Day, sadly. It's not to say that it was forgotten, but it was certainly like, um, you know, not the focus anymore, you know, even even though those yeah. guys deserve to be, you know, thought about and revered for, you know, eternally, you know, but um, and they are, you know, don't get me wrong. They are. But it's just that, you know, things change when something as dr- drastically dramatic as 9-11 happens, you know, so. Yeah, right. I mean, ordinarily losing five guys in, in six months or seven months would have been that. You know, right. the worst years in the history of the job. And then, right. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, I don't know, man. So now that you've been retired a little longer, I've noticed you, uh, you've been writing a lot more music. But, yeah. You know, how are you feeling about, uh, have you processed, you know, a lot of the shit that you uh, dealt with or um, is that what I, your music's about? Sometimes it is, you know, for yeah. sure. Um, you know, it, it's hard to say. People ask that, you know, like, uh, you know, you understand on a different level because you are in the same boat as me. You've just been out longer than me, you know, but, um, but uh, it's hard to say, like, you know, cause you, you don't like feel yourself, you know, so to speak processing, you know, you are processing, you don't feel it happening. You know what I mean? Right. So I guess the answer is yes. You know, uh, um, yes. And no, maybe because like I, I'll go through periods where I'll, I'll be thinking, you know, at one point I was doing, um, you know, I was working on a, uh, you know, on a, on a, a memoir, so to, you know, like to, for lack of a better word, you know, like about the, my time in the fire department. And I kind of got a little bit, I don't know what the word is disheartened or whatever. And I stopped working on it. I know I'm going to get back to it, you know, but, uh, but just in general, um, about myself and I've always been a writer. I've always loved to write. I've always, you know, had my, my goofy, uh, you know, forms of art that I, that I pursue and, you know, in my, on my own, you know, um, not, not like in any kind of, uh, you know, like professional way or whatever. And, um, and so just having the time now where I can really put more time into it has been a gift, you know, I mean, I, I love it, you know? And so, and so therefore, uh, as you speak about the songs, you know, um, you know, it's been fun for me to be able to get better at, at playing the guitar. So, cause I've always written poems and stories and everything else. Mm-hmm. So just transitioning them to songs has been kind of, I think of it as a, a vehicle for the words. Cause for me, it's always the words come first, you know? Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's been great as far as, uh, is it a processing of the, I'm, I'm sure everything, everything that we do and everything that we say kind of comes from everything that brought us to that point, I guess, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's what creates the filter, right? It's yeah. All the bullshit. But yes. I wonder if, I mean, you, you ended up doing 20 years, even though you didn't necessarily leave on your own terms. Uh, yeah. seems like you were ready to leave. Uh, I definitely was at that at that point. You know, yeah, I, I, I wonder if that makes a difference because 
I think it does. I think yeah. that people, people that get out, you know, like you, you didn't really get out on your terms. You know, you, you were all of a sudden it was like, Oh, sh you know, you're, you're, you're hurt. You're, you know, you're having problems. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, you're not going back to work. You know, like you weren't looking for it. You know, me, I was, you know, I was very likely going to get out of 20 years, regardless at that point, mainly because of the age that my kids were at. And, uh, you know, I'm repeating stuff that you already know, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, my, my son was going to be, starting middle school the following year. My daughter was going to be starting high school the following year. So it was a good line uh, for if we were going to leave New York, you know, and, and, you know, change schools and stuff. And so that's what we did. So that, that was always, you know, in our thoughts is like one possible plan. And then as it was getting close, you know, now we're going through COVID and everything else. And, and, uh, you know, just in general, just, it was, you know, the city is, I hate to say, and it, it has been falling apart, you know, it's, you know, the, the, you know, these iconic businesses and restaurants and stuff just getting put out of business by the greed of the of the landlords and the laws that you know allow them to be greedy like that because you know they're like they're like yeah we're gonna double your your rent on your lease and if you don't want it great because we're gonna get tons of tax benefits to not have a business in there or whatever else you know right so, you know so the city felt you know the city was losing its its heart and soul a little bit you know and um so for me, you know, it, you know, I, I was a little burned out anyway, and it's also just yeah. dealing with the shit, dealing with, um, dealing with internal politics, external politics. You know, um, you know, I, I, I hate to use, even use the word politics because I hate talking about politics. But you know, yeah. you know, but in general, like, um, you know, when I say internal politics, just like you know, fire every firehouse has its own politics, and you know, oh, sure. you know, we have to deal with each other, and we love each other, but sometimes we can't stand each other, and all that, you right. know. And um, so, you know, I was ready You know, I was definitely ready. And then, you know, so when I started having the issues with my lungs, you know, in one sense, the timing was good. You know, I mean, it's like, I'm sorry that it happened, you know, but I, if I was going to get out, you know, anyway, then and I started having issues, um, I guess it was probably a couple of years prior to my getting out that it started to really creep up and it just started in, in increasing or whatever. But um, but, you know, if it was going to happen, I'm glad it happened late and not early, you know. Yeah, right. I'd rather be able to run marathons and stuff like that right now. But, uh, you know, but, but the, yeah. I mean, those those stories, like you like you just said about Captain Hickey and I could think of like uh, Captain Stackpole and guys like that who came back from these injuries. Yeah. Only to be killed shortly thereafter. You know, yeah. I, I think about that a lot myself just because like you, you know, I was dealing with all the health issues and and hiding it and trying to keep my job. And then a fucking building fell on my head. and. Yeah. Pretty much, you know, I wouldn't say ruined my life, but certainly altered it drastically, oh, you yeah. know, when it didn't have to happen. So I, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 don't, that, I guess that's why I still haven't found peace with it. Uh, you know, I, certainly not leaving on my own terms is, has caused me issues, but also the way I got out, like, you know how it is. You just mentioned it, the firehouse politics, right? Yeah. People see it, a 33 year old guy getting out and, uh, I'm sure you heard it, you know, a lot of guys had a lot of things to say and a lot of people yeah. thinking it was bullshit, um, which unfortunately now a lot of those people are dealing with the health issues uh, right. and calling me for help, which is fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you, definitely, 
Yeah. I was just say you definitely have become a, like a, a you know like a kind of a, a resident expert on a lot of the things that guys need help with. So like you know you are a, certainly a commodity. You know it's, right. Uh, like like I don't I don't I don't begrudge anybody for for stupid shit they fuck they probably said in the kitchen and you know things that got back to me. But uh, yeah. you know it, 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 it I certainly haven't forgotten. You know, but I, I, I'm happy to help anybody who needs help, and I, I think a lot of people. Uh, Fireman will never admit it or say it, but I think a lot of people realized um, maybe they should have shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. You know, but something you just said, also what you just said too about the city. uh, I had an experience recently. I went to a concert with with my wife and I could not believe what a shithole (laughs) the city is. Like you can't walk down the street without five people with no shirts on and their pants falling off begging you for money with joints hanging out of their mouth. Like it's, I don't know, trying not to be hyperbolic, but I, I, I was disgusted, you know, and, yeah. and it only exacerbated my, my unresolved issues with, with my health and, and, and my injuries because I kind of felt like, what the fuck did I do it for? Like, right. this is the city that I gave all this to. Yeah. And this is this is what it's become like i don't know it, yeah but i mean better ways to look at it but i know what you mean i definitely do not to feel that way you know it, it is it is and i think for you though um you know you know like the, the, that kind of what, what what did i do it for or whatever it's like it's in your case it's almost become less about the city itself and more about how you can help the people because you have, I mean, you know, wh- whether you give yourself credit or not, you know, you, you have been a, a, an enormous, enormous help for so many people, you know, to, just even just with your, um, you know, work alone that when you were going down to, to Congress all the time and stuff, but, but even after that, just, you know, you, you're always like, you, you know, the, you, you never, never care if it's a person that you, has done you wrong in the past or whatever, you're always there to help. That's the thing. You know, people are like, I, I speak to the podcast. If you don't know Rob, Rob is one of the greatest helpers, you know, and, and sources of information that um, people like me could, could have, you know? So. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate that, but you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to, to feel that way. <laughs> you know? All right. Well, let's talk about some happier stuff. Uh, so. If you haven't followed the NAV yet, you should, but uh, the NAV has been performing publicly for the first time. Um, So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, I know running into fires is nerve wracking, right? Um, Especially some of the ones that you've been to. What what would you say the difference is between that and getting up on stage in front of people (laughs) and and spilling your soul? That's a good question. Uh, You know, when you when you're getting ready to go into a fire, you know, like one of the things for me, and I think for a lot of firemen that I worried about more than the idea of like, oh wait a second, there's fire that can actually burn me to death, or or smoke that can suffocate me to death, or whatever. I never really got, you know, not, that never really bothered me. You know, it wasn't that I was so brave? I was just like foolhardy or whatever. But um, but the uh, the idea of I hope I don't fuck up. I hope I don't fuck up. That's the thing that always, you know, is the the thing that I had the most fear about. I I just don't want to fuck up. I don't want to, you know, like 
you know, both cause anybody else any uh, danger, but also I don't want to look bad in front of the right. other and stuff like that. So, so that that kind of a fear is is very strong. You know, so what I've been doing is I've been going to these uh, open mics. It's not like I've been you know like getting a you know I'm getting called by all these venues and they're like, hey, Rich, we need you to come. You know, it's just open mics I've been doing so far. But um, you know, but you know, but I get great feedback. Actually, it's been pretty cool. And um. But like every single time, you know, I'm just waiting for my turn and I'm just like, okay, God, I hope I don't forget the words. I hope I don't, you know, miss drum or whatever. I hope, you know, my voice doesn't crack like I'm going through puberty or something, you know, right. and, and, you know, so it's, so it's like that. That's where the, I guess, where the uh, comparable fears are, you know. Right. It's like a different type of nervousness, right? I, yeah. I remember the first time I did a live TV interview and I was, it was like 530 in the morning and I was sitting in what seemed like a closet at Fox News uh down in washington staring at a hole in the wall and i'm like uh-huh. i was like shaking you know once we started talking i was not but i was like i'd rather run into a fire than sit yeah. here <laughs> and stare at this hole in the wall you know mm-hmm. waiting to say something i don't know you're right though that fear of of fucking up publicly is worse yeah. than uh the because there's also there's also like a team aspect to to firefighting too yeah. so you know whereas like you know when you're up like it's like in front of a live camera or, or like or on a, a stage with a few people watching or whatever you're like it's just you you know like the spotlight's on you you know so it's you know yeah well sometimes the spotlight's on you with a fire though that's true too especially <laughs> especially when you when you fuck up the thing that we worry about right then the spotlight's really on you you know you heard about rich you know or when you're on the tip of the aerial having trouble getting a window open and uh <laughs> The chief yeah. has some choice words for you on the radio, yeah. which I won't repeat. Um, anyway, it was pretty funny. He recently retired, I heard too, but maybe we'll get him on. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about right there. It was, uh, what was his name? The guy in the first division, McFadden, I think. Is that his name? Oh, um, no, I forget. that's not it. Yeah, I don't know. He, he had some choice words for me on the tip of an area one day. Oh, okay, I okay. actually started laughing while I was up there, you know? It was pretty funny. All right, so where are we here? I don't want to keep you all morning. I know Nav uh, just uh, closed down a new house, so. Yeah, yeah. As you can see, he, he never got around to decorating <laughs> the house that he's been living in. What are you talking about? That's a, I got a, a whiteboard calendar. All right. Well, wasn't that there the last time? You had something hanging. Yeah, up. yeah, that, that's uh, that's my finest, uh, my finest art, you know. All right. At least I, in this. I don't keep a calendar anymore. <laughs> um, you know, got nothing yeah. right up there. Uh, so, you have any songs? Let, I want to hear. Let's hear a song, and then I want to dissect it. So, give me something. Okay. Let's hear something. Uh, that you had planned, and then uh, let's talk about it. So, All right, sounds good. All right, so Nicky's got. I was, you know. I was a little bit unsure which songs song, excuse me, I should pick to um to play, you know. So this one is kind of uh I don't know, for lack of a better way, I'm gonna call it my signature song right now because it's you know it's a good song about life and stuff. People seem to like it, you know, and uh I'm trying to get I'm trying to get the guitar onto this too, so you can see my uh my blazing fingers and everything else, you know. So. <laughs> But, um, so, you know, I had a few different ones I was going to choose from. I'll tell you real quick. I was going to, I have this one called The Sounds of Summertime, which I think is a really nice, uh, nice song. It's just like a happy little song or whatever. And then I got, um, I got this other one called Folk Song, which I was thinking about doing, which I thought might be a little too long, though, um, because it's like, you know, 
it's not that long, you know, but it's anyways. And, and anyway, then there's this one. It's called Instride. So I hope you can hear me with through my computer, uh, you know. You're good, man. All right, cool. Someday when I'm 55, I may lose my faculties, or I may get a tooth disease, or by then I might have fleas. But if I fall apart, oh please, I hope you'll I'll keep my love. But if I fall apart, oh please, I hope I'll keep my memories. I hope at least I'll keep my memories. I've lost my hair, I've lost my lungs, but I still have a gifted tongue for singing about life and love. And I ain't going nowhere, son. I'm older now, I've hit my stride. I'm not exactly a fine wine, but thank God I'm still alive. Thank God I'm still alive. I've been around a time or two, but goddamn a girl like you only comes around once in a lifetime. Now here I am in my stride, keeping pace with I'm sorry, but sorry. <laughs> that is so ironic that you, <laughs> you lost it while you were in your stride. <laughs> I know, right? I, and usually I get that song perfectly. You know what it is? You're making me nervous, Rob. You're making me, me? nervous. I'm making you nervous? No, no, no. I'm, I'm making me nervous. Uh, is that something that we're going to be allowed to cut out or do I, am I stuck with that? <laughs> I don't know. I might have to leave it in there now. All right. Do you want me to start over so I do a different nah, one? I keep going, right. man. It's cool. Do people All get right. it? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that's that's one of my big things. Also, when I'm like when I'm doing that, like I always say to myself, if I fuck up, I'm just going to keep playing. I'm just going to keep playing because I hate that like idea of starting and stopping. But uh, but anyway, that's what I just did. So I'm going to start from the beginning if that's cool. Do we got time for that? Whatever you want to do, bro. All right. We got the floor. Let's go. All right. Don't fuck it up, though. Someday when I'm 55, I may lose my faculties, or I may get a tooth disease, or by then I might have fleas. But if I fall apart, oh please, I hope I'll keep my memories. I hope at least I'll keep my memories. I've lost my hair, I've lost my lungs, but I still have a gifted tongue for singing about life and love. And I ain't going nowhere. I'm older now, I've hit my stride I'm not exactly a fine wine But thank God I'm still alive Thank God I'm still alive I've been around a time or two But goddamn a girl like you Only comes around once in a lifetime Now here I am in my stride With a fine girl at my side That's you and me in stride Walking through our lives side by side. Back when I was 22, I drank away my faculties. I didn't know what I would be by the time that I reached 33. The years to come were all hazy with choices that I couldn't see. And that was just fine with me. I was 22 and in my stride, not belted in for any ride, just wandering throughout my mind, knowing I had time on my side. I wrote this
this song at 51 and looking back on all I've done. I've had a daughter and a son and been myself to everyone. I've glided through the horizon and fought my way into the sun. You're damn right, I'm proud of all I've done. Now here I am, still in my stride, keeping pace with my own life with arms up for this wild ride. Until it takes me to the other side. Thank you. Much better the second time. Second time was a little better. All right, man. Well, good luck with everything. Thanks right, again well, thanks. Uh, for your song. Um, yeah, <laughs> my, my song and a half. <laughs> your song and a half. But uh, but I like that one, man. That's a good one. Um, oh, thank, thanks. Yeah. You I, know. It's sa sadly, I never mess that one up because I've probably played it more than anything else. And then I, that's I'm what I'm saying. It's ironic to, to mess up a song called In My Stride. I just think it's, it's perfect yeah. nav. Yeah, but uh all right bro well good luck uh all right, thanks rob hopefully next season uh we'll have you back on and you can uh bring us some more navisms and some more stories but Sounds take good. care of yourself out there bro uh you too rob so it's always good to see your face good to hear your voice and all that man so thank you all right man keep in touch we'll do Hey guys, it's Frankie, and welcome back to Frankie's Firehouse Feast. Today we will be making lemon berry firecracker cake. For this recipe, you will need cooking spray, one 15-ounce box of white cake mix, one 3-ounce package of instant lemon pudding mix, four large eggs, half a cup of vegetable oil, one cup plus one tablespoon or more of lukewarm water, one-fourth cup of raspberry jam, seven or more drops of red gel food coloring divided, one-fourth cup of blueberry jam, seven or more drops of blue gel food coloring divided, three cups of powdered sugar, two tablespoons of fresh lemon juice, and one-fourth cup of red, white, and blue sprinkles. First, preheat the oven to 350 degrees. Then lightly coat a bundt pan with cooking spray. In a large bowl, whisk, cake mix, and lemon pudding mix to combine. Add eggs, oil, and one cup of lukewarm water to the mix. Using an electric mixer on medium-high speed, beat until smooth about one minute. Scrape one cup of lemon batter into a medium bowl. Then stir raspberry jam and five drops of red food coloring into the batter until it's combined. Add more food coloring, a drop at a time, if a deeper red color is desired. Scrape another one cup lemon batter into another medium bowl. Stir blueberry jam and five drops of blue food coloring into the batter until combined. Add more food coloring, a drop at a time, if a deeper blue color is desired. Pour red batter into bottom of prepared pan. Then pour remaining lemon batter over the red batter and pour blue batter over the lemon batter. Next, Bake until a tester is inserted and the center comes out clean for 40 to 45 minutes. Let it cool in a pan for 15 minutes, then turn it out onto a wire rack and let it cool completely. Meanwhile, in a medium bowl, whisk powdered sugar, lemon juice, in one tablespoon of lukewarm water, adding more water drop by drop if necessary, 
until thick and smooth and mixture is a lava-like consistency. Scoop a heaping one-fourth cup of white glaze into a small bowl and stir in two drops of red food coloring. Scoop another heaping one-fourth cup white glaze into another small bowl and stir in two drops of blue food coloring. Drizzle white, then blue, then red glaze all over the cake. Scatter sprinkles over the top. Let the glaze set about 30 minutes before slicing. Happy 4th of July! Thank you, Frankie. And thanks for Nav for coming on and uh, keeping your stride. Thanks for making your music, man. I hope everyone takes some time to listen to some of Nav's songs because I think they're pretty cool and I think they, uh, they have a good message. 4th of July is next week. I hope everyone uh, takes the time to reflect and, and appreciate the fact that, you know, whatever your thoughts or feelings are on this country, um, it's still a pretty nice place to live. Uh, and as we got into in this, in this interview, um, stop worrying about being right all the time. You know, you can be right, but still be an asshole. You know, you, you could be right, but not be righteous. It happens all the time. I see it where someone might be right about something and then they quickly, through their behavior, you know, they become wrong. I've said this to my friends, you know, I, I agree with you, but the way you're acting, uh, I don't agree with. So, you know, uh, why don't we try a little bit to stop worrying about that? Stop worrying about being right. Stop worrying about forcing other people to think the way you do because it's just not going to happen. Um, and it shouldn't even matter. You know, stop worrying about what you think the founding fathers would have wanted. Uh, when I think if they saw our world, they would probably just want air conditioning and a toothbrush. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, we live in a completely different world now. So let's stop worrying about what happened three, 400 years ago. And let's just start focusing on making this world uh, livable, making this world uh, sustainable uh, for our kids. So that's me. That's my soapbox. Uh, just know that that I'll be spending the day with my family and appreciating their time and uh, and maybe cracking a couple beers. So that's it. Everyone take care of each other. Stop worrying about being right. And stay low, my friends. Subscribe now at staylow.us. Join the squad at patreon.com slash the firefighters podcast. We're powered by Righteous Media. Righteous Media.